0: Give me a uh, liter of cola. A what? A liter of cola. Liter of cola. Do we make liter of cola?
1: Well, you just order a large farva. I don't want a large farva.
2: I want a goddamn liter
1: of cola. I don't know what that is leader is french
0: for give me some fucking cola
1: before i break booze fucking what all right all right it's a brand new day and now i feel right It's a brand new day and now i see the light it's a brand new thing brand new birds brand new wings we're thinking with the church it's a brand new day we're back with a brand new episode of no brains no headache podcast this is episode 48 i'm your host jordan white and i'll be joined shortly with my co-host matt cleary On today's show, we had an interview with Kyle, the host of Big Screen Sports and From Phenom to the Farm podcast. We have had many mutual guests on both our shows, so we thought it was time to have him on to discuss his career path, sports movies, of course, and how he became a Twins fan. Then Matt and I get into Cleary's comments, where we banter about random things, and Matt tells terrible stories. We then get into our weekly Mighty Ducks Game Changers discussion. This week was episode 3 of the Disney Plus series. And we will finish it up with the Olympics of bar songs. So think of your favorite tunes as you're soaking at the bar and join us. If you like the podcast, go ahead and text your friends a link to the show right now. And since you're on your phone anyway, go over to your favorite social media platforms and follow us at nbnhpod, or search No Brains, No Headache Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok for even more content. When you tell your friends about this podcast, they may ask, where is it available? And that's a great question. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, Google Casts, Breaker, and many, many more. We have several platforms to listen on, but only one sponsor for the rest of April. As you know, we will be revealing our new sponsor throughout the entire month, and congratulations, you made it to the second clue. We have established that this is a new company coming to Bismarck and is in somewhat unique in how they operate. Matt and I would not have chosen this company and vice versa if it wasn't a good fit. That being said, I think it's appropriate if I now reveal to you all that this is a booze company. Okay, that's all I'm going to say is we're dealing with alcohol of some sort, and I won't specify beyond that. Now, I know what you're thinking, and that's good. We want you thinking, and we want you curious, so stay tuned for upcoming episodes, where we will eventually reveal our new sponsor in its entirety, but until then, let's get it on.
0: Okay, let's party.
2: All right, guys, we welcome on a very special guest this week. He is the host of Big Screen Sports and Phenom to Farm podcast, Kyle Banduho. Kyle, thanks for joining us.
0: Man, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited.
2: Yeah. So getting into some stuff here. What where were you before you started your two podcasts? What were you doing beforehand?
0: So um I was, I guess right before I started the podcast I do now, I was um, I was right. I was mainly it was freelance writing. I was doing most of my work for a site called postgradproblems.com, which was at the time owned by the company that uh, was more notable it was owned by a company called Grand X, more notable for Total Frat Move. Um, I was doing some writing for them. I was uh, also doing a parenting podcast for them called the Dad Gum Podcast, and then um, freelancing a couple other different places. I did a piece for BuzzFeed. I did some a piece for Thought Catalog, just some some randoms. And then um, that website folded, and I was kind of at a like a content impasse. I wanted to keep doing stuff, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do or where to do it. Um, I, did, I didn't have a ton of experience like actually freelance pitching stuff and so um, I'd always had the idea for the sports movie podcast I do big screen sports um, I had first envisioned it as kind of a written series talking about the uh, the, the realism of sports movies and then I decided it would, it would work better as a podcast and when PGP folded I decided to just like take a leap and do it myself and I've been doing that for about two years now.
2: Oh right on so is was your writing that you were doing beforehand was it sports centric or were you all over the map
0: i mean with so with with postcard problems what postcard problems was was kind of a just like a postgrad humor website like a you know how much do your 20s suck kind of thing and so there there was some sports stuff like one of the last things i wrote there before it cratered was um how tough it is to watch your childhood sports heroes retire uh big old picture of joe mauer on that one um but it, I mean, it was all, it was all over the place. Cause it was just post-grad humor. So there was that I wrote a, I had a running series called post-grad single dad. Um, I wrote a piece about the time I crapped my pants in front of my toddler. Uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of variety. Um, one of my favorites was breaking down the, um, the aspects of your alumni weekend group text. So it was all stuff like that. Um, I did a little sports specific writing for a, uh, one of those gambling websites for a while after that did some, did some freelance writing for, uh, God, what was that? Odds checker. Oh, okay. That was the site. I, yeah, I wrote for a... them for, I wrote for them for about six months.
2: I've been all over the offshore gambling websites and oh, them... yeah,
0: they all, <laughs> there's a bunch of them.
2: Yeah. So, um, you kind of glossed over it, but it really had me kind of at a, a pause there. You crapped your pants in front of your toddler.
0: Yeah, no, I was um, I was kind of sick. I had a stomach thing, and um, I trusted a fart. I shouldn't have, and boom, just uh, just went ahead and crapped my pants right in front of my toddler. Like at the same time where I'm trying to potty train him, I just poof. Uh, it was tough. It was, it was it was a tough scene. Uh, it's not it's not what you want at all. And where
2: did where did you go to college?
0: so i went to a division two university in odessa texas called the university of texas of the permian basin uh, odessa texas is more widely known for being the uh, city where the school from friday night lights the movie is uh, odessa permian high school and i went to that small school played baseball And then uh, got my ass right out of Odessa as soon as I graduated because Odessa is a West Texas oil patch.
2: Yeah, see, that's that's funny you say that. Well, North Dakota, the western half of the state, is the bit like outside of Texas and maybe Wyoming, just oil city. So I get that. Mm -hmm. But actually, my introduction to you was through Friday Night Lights because we actually had Chris Van Vliet on, and I listened. Oh yeah, yeah. That's when I. kind of found you, and then I was just going through, and I'm like, he's done a lot of good movies. So it's funny you say that because you, you grew up in Odessa, and in that movie, they really make Odessa seem like a town of like 1,200 people. And
0: Yeah, so I didn't, I didn't grow up in Odessa. I grew up just outside of San Antonio. I went to Odessa for college, which is oh, okay. a weird college destination place. But, yeah, no, they do – in the movie, it seems very desolate and, and Odessa, I mean, it's grown a lot since then. It's even, it's grown since I got there in the fall of 2009, it's grown like crazy. We've had, I think two oil booms since then, but um, yeah, no, it, it's certainly not a one stoplight town and it, now it is packed. It's one of the most populous cities in, in Texas besides the major metros, the housing market there is cr- when it, when oil is booming, which I, I don't know what's going on with that right now. It's, it's not my bag, but, Um, when oil is booming, the housing market there is crazy. Uh, they built a ton of stuff. Like it's, um, it's, it's a huge city. It's basically linked with Midland as well, like two humongous cities with a ton of people. Um, so, I mean, don't get me wrong. It definitely has those small town, uh, super redneck oily vibes, but it's, it's a big place. There's a lot of people. I mean, Odessa, Odessa has – so in Texas, when I was in high school, 5A was the um, was the highest classification. Now there's 6A. But Texas uh, – Odessa now has two 6A high schools in, a, in, a, in just Odessa, which is enormous. I live in a suburb of San Antonio called R- which is big, and we have a 5A and a 4A. Odessa has two 6A high schools, so they, it's a big place.
2: Well, it, yeah, it's crazy too because Texas, some of the high schools there, you just – see it like in movies on friday night lights for sure the stadiums are packed and their facilities and i know that i can't remember the town but there's a town that has like a three hundred thousand dollar like weight room or just some huge i can't remember but their coach is like the highest paid person in the town as the high school coach Uh,
0: the high school football coach is usually the highest paid uh school employee in, in a lot of in a lot of cases behind maybe like a principal sometimes but um I don't quote me on the dollar figure but I think Allen High School or Kyler Murray went to high school has a 60 million dollar stadium yeah right? that, that's that's that what I was it's, talking about
2: I don't know where I got 300 thousand there's but yeah that's uh definitely the one I was talking about um getting a little more into movies I want to like give you kind of some rapid fire questions first right. just just getting into it have you ever made it through Airbud without crying?
0: man i honestly i don't think i've seen airbud as an adult i'm not i don't hold a great level of nostalgia for airbud airbud like i saw it as a kid but it wasn't it wasn't something like the sandlot where i had this great nostalgic love for it i think i was a little young to get super caught up in airbud because i was born in 91 i think airbud came out like 96 97 and and so like when I was 12 or 13, it was no longer cool to watch Airbud. versus like when I was 12 or 13, it's so cool. The sandlot. So it was a little, little young for me. Like it, it, I was a little young for it when it came out, but it was something that remained in, in the, the consciousness enough to where when I was a little kid, I was, it was like, I, you know, I played baseball and like the Sandlot is this thing. So I actually don't hold a, a great level of nostalgia for Airbud. At some point, maybe I will cover it on the podcast and I have to rewatch it as an adult, but the how watching movies as an adult that you loved as a kid is very hit or miss.
2: Yeah. We actually just watched like luck of the Irish a couple weeks ago and I used to love that movie.
0: Yeah. It's not very good. It's like a pretty average movie. And I mean, I don't want to take a, don't want to take a shot at you, but you're wearing a Cubs hat. How do you feel about rookie of the year? I actually like little big league better. That's okay, that's the that's what I'm talking about. That the the problem with Little Big League is that there's been this erasure because people more fondly remember Rookie of the Year cuz Rookie of the Year was more popular and I think a lot of that has to do with the Cubs are just generally more popular than the Twins, but Little Big League is the superior movie in every single aspect. There's nothing the only thing you can pull out of Little Big League is uh, Daniel Stern as Brick is being funny but everything else about little big leagues is, is far better the rookie of the year is terrible Watch as an adult i
2: like, i, I rookie of the year it. has its moments i like gary Busey is just absolute banana lands
0: i think it's i think it, i think that's right before he kind of lost his marbles or had that traumatic brain injury or whatever happened but it's like it's right before whatever life got bad for him
2: yeah but uh, going back to little big league too it has some of the more underrated funny parts in any movie that you'll see in that era just like hit him trying to do his math homework just for one oh, like, like the
0: problem right before the yeah. last game and the whole teams around the board it's it's awesome and the cool thing about little bigley too is the baseball looks as good as any movie because half the guys they got in the movie play ball like for like the the guy um the guy who plays luke and gilmore girls I can't remember his name, but he plays McGreevy in Little Big League. He got a triple. He was a first-round pick. He got a triple A with the eight, with uh, I think the Reds. Um, there's a the shortstop in the movie was actually playing in the big leagues at that time. Um, a bunch of guys played ball. Like it's uh, yeah. I mean, Little Big League does an awesome, awesome job. Yeah, I uh, think the child actor is really good. Uh, Luke Edwards, who I had on the podcast, I think two years ago now. Oh, nice. Um, I mean, obviously an adult now. Super nice guy, but he does a great job in that movie. Um, yeah, it's it's fantastic. I'm a huge Little Big League fan. It's on MLB network all the time. Which is
2: Oh, great. it's fantastic. Because, But also one thing that I've hated about uh, Rookie of the Year is, the last thing I'll touch on about these two is, Rookie of the Year, they have a reliever or a closer that somehow turns their season around. Like that doesn't
0: explain anything else about the team getting better. Yeah. It's, it's like we suck. Henry comes in and starts making relief appearances and they're like, Oh, we're fighting for a playoff spot. Now, like rookie of the year has this tangible buildup of all these other guys getting better and why it's happening and, and stuff like that. And rookie of the year just expects you to be like, Oh, closer came in. Like, we're good. Like we're good to go now. It's just, it's not how we're, it's just a really bad movie. Just not thought out. The sports are bad. It's it's tough. It's tough watch as an adult.
2: Yeah, so with baseball movies, what is your favorite baseball movie?
0: Uh Bull Durham, for sure. Bull Durham, okay. Um Bull Durham is the gold standard. Everything else comes second. Uh it's just it's kind of like the spark that started all in my mind for baseball movies. Uh the natural was a bit before that. There's some older, you know, bingo long and uh bang the drum slowly and stuff like that. But like Bull Durham. It's got Kevin Costner, who is just like the messiah of my podcast. Uh, Ron Shelton, the Robbins performance is really good. Just a baseball culture permeates through it all. Uh, Bull, Bull Durham is just awesome. It, it just, it feels good. I've got a, I love minor league baseball. I've got a big time nostalgia for that, for that era and for um, especially for like uh, the, the the area like the Carolina league um I I was born in Virginia I played summer college ball uh in the Carolina Virginia summer wood bat league so I I love that part so that that appeals to me personally but it's just it's a near perfect movie um it helped bring along this golden age of minor league baseball it helped kind of bring minor league baseball into the modern area era and make it popular so that part too is awesome but um, I, I will turn on Bull Durham, you know, every day. There's like, there's a bunch of really solid baseball movies and Hall of Fame baseball movies, but Bull a- Durham is the Angels outfield. in the Outfield. No, Angels in the Outfield, not there. <laughs> I'm not an Angels in the Outfield guy. See, the funniest like, I- part about Angels in the Outfield is it's a Disney movie, and at the end, you realize that Christopher Lloyd, the angel, is there because he's like, yeah, we're keeping an eye on Mel. He's gonna die soon. <laughs> what <laughs> and then in that uh, that movie also has Dermot maroney as the scumbag dad who just abandons parental rights of Love. like one of the most traumatic scenes in movies ever is him just signing away his rights and the kid being there. It's just is horrible Angels of the outfield get out of here get out of here with that I,
2: I, i'm a, so this podcast i am just historically a terrible judge of almost anything Man, I we, we always do this Olympics where we rank things like our top four baseball movies and I think angels in the outfield made my list so that's that's a tough one to from an
0: actual good yes. mov, movie critic it's that's tough to hear that no that ain't it uh one of the movies that actually is coming on I don't know when this podcast episode is dropping but it, it will be uh next, next Tuesday episode. next Tuesday okay so yesterday I dropped an episode on everybody but he wants some, which is the spiritual sequel to Days and Confused, which came out in 2016. Uh, that is a college baseball movie that is directed by Richard Linklater. It's kind of the same vibe as Days and Confused, but it is incredible. It is nearly perfect. I recommend everyone go watch it. Go rent it for four bucks on Prime. So good. And never watch Angels in the Outfield again.
2: <laughs> that hurts, but uh, I'll, I'll respect it. What is your favorite basketball movie?
0: Uh, so it's funny. I, I, I think I tweeted something like that for my, the podcast account. Um, or, or maybe I put it, I put a um, poll in the, the Facebook group, but cause I did, he got game recently. And as soon as I finished it, I would seen, he got game before, but I was like, that might be the best basketball movie ever. It's really, really good. Um, it kind of depends on what you're in the mood for. He got game and Hoosiers are completely different kinds of movies. Showing a different side of basketball, I think I. I mean, Hoosiers has you know the rah rah go team go, big chill moment at the end. He got game. It just like, it's a Spike Lee joint through and through. I love that. Like, whatever Spike Lee is doing, I am in for that. Let's let's ride Spike. But, um, yeah, I want to say he got game. I Also, really love Coach Carter. I haven't revisited Coach Carter in a long time. Besides, like, like a couple scenes on cable. Um, if you count documentaries, which I, I think I like to separate the documentary and, um, fictional film, like feature film, but, uh, Hoop dreams kind of is, is the, I guess like the, the peer, like the top of the pyramid in terms of sports documentaries. So you always have to shout out hoop dreams, but I would lean, he got game. I, See, I love, he got game
2: outside of like baseball, basketball, and football. I think basketball is probably the weakest category in movies. And that might be kind of a hot take, but like I, I don't like Hoosiers that much. I think it's a good movie, but I don't think it's on the pedestal of being where everyone else is putting it. I don't think it's up there with some of the great sports movies.
0: It's not super rewatchable. It's slow, and that's a lot of like that's the '80s of it all. Um, there's a couple really great scenes. Like I love um, I love the scene where they are trying to trying to fire him or vote for his removal, and Jimmy Chitwood hits him with like the MJ I'm back but uh you know and the last scene and stuff but yeah it's 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 slow ba- i mean basketball has got a a solid like peak but then it's a big drop off like you can name off like um, i mean hoosiers however you feel about it he got game blue chips um white man can't jump and, and coach carter like that's a that's a pretty solid starting five and then it's just like a nosedive it's like you yeah, got, like, Like Mike in The Sixth Man, Space Jam. Like, Space Jam is fun for what it is, but it's not... Like you
2: know. like Mike 2?
0: Like Mike 2. Uh, Kevin Durant has a movie, like, Thunderbolt or something, that's, that's sim- that's like, similar to the plot of Like Mike. It's tough.
2: Yeah, I heard... I actually heard about that for the first time this week, and I heard it's just a horrible movie.
0: I have never seen it, but I will never watch it.
2: And getting <laughs> into more... So I know hockey has... Basically hockey is Miracle is 1A and 1B. I'm
0: a huge Miracle fan. Yeah.
2: Um then you have Mighty Ducks. And honestly one of the more underrated sports movies for me is Mystery Alaska.
0: So I've ever since I started to do this podcast, I have heard nothing but good things about Mystery Alaska. I've never seen it. I have heard like from hockey people, especially people up north. They're just like, oh, you need to do Mystery Alaska. You need to do Mystery Alaska. So it is all on my list. Um, the thing with how I have tool, like curtailed my social media is, is like, like when I need to do a baseball movie, I can pull, you know, I have a million guests that I can do a baseball movie. With. So those are people I follow on Twitter. Those are people I know with hockey it's like oh i don't don't follow any hockey beat writers none of my friends know anything about hockey so it's i've done i've definitely done fewer hockey movies um i've done miracle and then i've done goon which is hall first ballot hall of fame for me. i love goon
2: yeah goon is like it's a hockey movie that has a lot of hockey in it but it's not a hockey movie i don't really know if that makes sense but it's it has very little to do with my favorite
0: sean william scott performance I love, love him and Goon. Over think, the rundown? I think Goon is hilarious. I, trust me, I love the run. I did the rundown on the podcast last month. I love the rundown. Yeah, but I that's think... That's probably my second favorite shot, Will. No, actually, it's Goon, it's Role Models, and then it's the rundown. Then it's Stifler. Stifler is very problematic, but...
2: Yeah, yeah for sure. Still. Also, definitely. the plot of Mystery Alaska, I don't know if you know a whole lot about it, but it's a town in Alaska that has, like, 100 people and they scrimmage the new york rangers and lose by one so oh, real okay. realistic i
0: i like i like that
2: realistic not even in the slightest then i won't ruin the end for you but it's it's outrageous getting into fo- in football this is a big one and i want to hear your take on football movies what, what's like your one two three of go-to's
0: One, two, three of go-tos with football. Um, Man, I will say football, there is a ton of bad football movies or football movies that think they're real good and they're just not. Um, Like Necessary Roughness. A lot of people talk about Necessary Roughness. Necessary Roughness is a really bad movie. Um, I like Any Given Sunday mainly for what it tried to do. Um, Tried to be that kind of gritty look at pro football. I think Pacino's really good. It's one of the best speeches and movies. I, I love The Replacements it's, I mean, it's on TBS all the time. It might be a recency bias thing. I've seen it. The, when I covered the replacements on the podcast, I think was the first time that I have seen the movie start to finish no commercials. Like I chose to start it. I, I sought it out and watched it, but I had seen it a hundred times because of TBS. So there, there's a lot of stuff I like about the replacements. Um, Oh, oh! Uh, Friday Night Lights. Friday Night Lights is the best football movie. I don't know why it took me so long to think about that. I love – not not just because I went to school. I think Friday Night Lights is almost the perfect movie. Uh,
2: it, yeah, a Friday Night Lights comes up on our podcast a lot. We 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 listed our Olympics of football players, and we both had – it was like we had one from fictional football players. We had like one from maybe another football movie, and then it was just Friday Night Lights, Friday Night Lights, Friday Night Lights. It it's yeah, got it's, everything it's it's, really well done. It's hard to find something bad about it.
0: It's probably the uh it's probably it's definitely my favorite Peter perth film because before he got into making the recent tragedy movies with Mark Wahlberg became his became his wheelhouse. I think he, he did like Patriots Day. I think he did um I think he did Patriots Day, Deepwater Horizon, and uh Lone Survivor. Don't quote me on that, on on that though. Yeah,
2: Lone Survivor wasn't shows. terrible, but to have such a drop off from Friday night lights, which is going to hold up for years to come is, is tough.
0: Yeah, no, it's, I mean, him and Wahlberg are in that. Let me, I don't want to, I don't want to besmirch the man. Let me make sure. uh, Let me look at the IMDB. I'm pretty sure he did all those weird, you know, he did, um, he did collateral, which is if he directed collateral, that's, that's a big move. That's fantastic. Um, So he directed the rundown, which is he he does the rundown Friday Night Lights and the Kingdom, which are three movies that I love. And but then he does, he does, yeah, and then he so he gets into like the Wahlberg thing. He gives Deepwater Horizon, which are they're all kind of like the same kind of movie. Uh, but yeah, he he definitely peaked, especially Friday Night Lights and the Kingdom back to back because I'm a huge fan of the Kingdom,
2: yeah. And just a couple more sports I want to touch on. Do you have a golf movie outside of Caddyshack? But do you have a golf movie that
0: I actually did? Ha- I did Happy Gilmore on the podcast. Yeah, uh, I, that, that's kind of what I was getting into. Week.
2: But I think yeah, between yeah, Caddyshack I mean, and Happy Gilmore. Happy Gilmore,
0: I I would throw Tin Cup in there. There's a lot I like about Tin Cup. Um, I don't love the ending, but I, I still. I mean Kevin Costner, the uh, Messiah of my podcast, but. I, I would for me it's the, the top three is Caddyshack, Happy Gilmore, Tin Cup, a small drop-off and greatest game ever played, a decent sized drop-off and legend of Bagger Vance, and then it the genre falls off a cliff.
2: Well, it's just like the year's gonna be 2035. Adam Sandler comes out with Happy Gilmore 2, and I just crawl into an early grave. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's the thing I talked about on the pod with my guest is it's weird that he hasn't done any sequels of his super beloved movies. He's only done like Grown Ups and Hotel Transylvania and stuff. But any of his beloved those beloved characters and the, the like, you think about that run, uh, Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore, Wedding Singer, Big Daddy, uh, Mr. Deeds. He doesn't. He hadn't touched any of them with sequels. So it's it's kind of an interesting dynamic. And then he started cashing those Netflix checks.
2: I think out of like take a book or a page out of a playbook of sports, I think there should be movies that are so good that you go ahead and retire that movie and you can't do a sequel to it.
0: That's a fair, I mean, that's a really fair point. I, I, I would agree. I, I think that's a, that's a quality point to make. I think it's for the sake of money. I think a lot of most like Hollywood big wigs would probably disagree with you. Like we can milk every dime out of this IP, but I think you're right in that there needs to be some sort of standard of like, okay, we're not going to like dumb and dumber. That sequel is so bad. It's such a shame. And uh, so stuff like that. It's like, listen, we caught lightning in a bottle. You don't do that twice.
2: Yeah. And maybe it's one thing, but if it's after like 10 years, no one wants to see a sequel. I'll give the exception mm-hmm. to Anchorman 2 because I love it, but I think it's just because I'm such a big Anchorman fan that I was like, I have to like this.
0: Yeah, yeah. Have you ever seen the movie The Comebacks? I have, I have. Uh, that is David Koechner. The only thing I remember about that is um, is one of the, the guy who is named, uh, his name is Seal Terry. Yeah, like ACL tear and that's the only that's the only gag I remember from it but uh it's um it, it definitely uh has its it has its moments but it's uh so
2: that, that has a know, soft spot a in my a heart for me. It, ha- it has a soft spot the in ACL my heart it's it's nice well it, it has like a lot of like the Friday night lights of the cop going into the barber shop and it just <laughs> butchers every movie like oh was that a radio i hear no it's just ipod and the guy crashes a shopping cart <laughs> i think i think it has a lot of funny moments and I, I think it would do really well if you did review it on your podcast but i don't know if it would resonate with your audience it might just be me laughing my
0: ass off but uh, i have a big master spreadsheet and it's on there like listing sports movie it's on there it's not high on there, it, it's it's on there. so it's
2: like You got your decent sports movies, 50 feet of shit, the comebacks, Angels in the Outfield.
0: Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) Angels in the Outfield is higher than the comebacks because there's there's some stuff to talk about with Angels in the Outfield. Weirdly, like Angels in the Outfield, I believe, has two Oscar winners in the cast, which you can't say that about a lot of sports movies, which is kind of funny, but uh, it's got McConaughey and Adrian Brody.
2: Yeah, that is funny that, Matthew McConaughey just kind of plays a small role as a center fielder, mm-hmm. and was that after yeah, Dazed mean, Adrian, and
0: was that after yeah, Dazed and Confused? Was, so Dazed and Confused, Dazed and Confused is his debut, and then yeah, it's he's got a small role in that. Adrian Brody has a small role too, and then like a very, I mean, he wins that Oscar for the for the pianist, and then it's it's kind of like a lot of highs and lows for Adrian Brody since since that uh since that Oscar win.
2: I've been going through some of your tweets. It's how I do my research besides listening to your podcast. Oh,
0: that's, that's a tough endeavor.
2: But, I mean, yeah, you do tweet a lot, so I didn't make it too far All back. And your pinned tweet is you answered a DM and that girl ended up being your wife. <laughs> so where does my DM of coming on No Brains, No Headache podcast rank in that hierarchy?
0: I, I will say – Pretty low comparatively. Yeah, no, I actually, I wrote a, I wrote a piece for Buzzfeed about being a single dad and my now wife, both her sisters are single moms and she enjoyed the article. She reached out. We lived a few hours from each other, just started messaging. And then uh, like four and a half years later, we got married. Oh, right on. This past January. Yeah, this past January. So Um, yeah, no, I I always say always answer your DMS. um, But as far as like, especially with the podcast. Like I, I'm truly, honestly, I'm very honored that you asked me to be on your show. Like that is, um, that it's a lot of fun. I love being on a show. I don't have to produce myself. It is a huge rush for me. Um, but no, I, yeah, I, I always check my DMS honestly. Um, and anyone who's got a show, I will always come on because I have a lot of fun talking with other people. Again, if I don't have to produce it, I am, I am game. And I've had so many people who, Um, people I never thought that would take the time of day who have, I've shot a DM to and they have come on my show and they have given me a lot of their time and I've forged great relationships with some of these people like, uh, Jeff Perlman. I don't know if you've read any of his books. Yeah. He's, he's actually Um, been on our show. Yeah. He's great. He, he is so generous with the time. He's come on my show five times now. (laughs) Like he's come on and he's come on the show with his son. He's come on the show with his wife. Uh, we're one Perlman short of having the whole family on big screen sports, but he is impossibly generous with his time. And I think you'll find like so many people are like that. Like if, if you, anyone listening is in the podcast space, like you will find like the people who, you know, you love their writing, you love their podcast, you love their work. Like you will find that so many people are so generous with their time. And that's the thing I found with my podcast and the DMS are the, the place to make that happen.
2: Absolutely. And the, the funny thing about Jeff, too, is it, it was pretty early on in our podcast and his book had just come out and he was on Jim Rome the day before. Yeah. And then he was on a podcast that at the time we are maybe having 100 listeners a week if we were lucky. And it's just like, what is yeah. this guy doing? He's just he's a genuinely nice guy. And and he gave us he gave us a half hour, 45 minutes.
0: We recorded an episode a couple of weeks ago that hasn't dropped yet on uh, McFarland USA, and the next morning, like when I got to my work desk and logged on Twitter because that's the first thing I do when I when I get to work. Same. Is I log on Twitter and Jeff is on the Dan Patrick Show. Like <laughs> it was just, I was just like, "What? You stayed up late and did my podcast, then you woke up at the ass crack of dawn and got on Dan Patrick, which is hilarious."
2: Another thing I see a lot in your timeline is I didn't think that there was anyone that was a bigger fan of Rusty Ranks Beers than me.
0: Oh, yes, let's talk about Rusty Ranks Beers. That dude is the funniest guy. I'm not on TikTok. My wife is on TikTok, but I think I I think I saw I first saw Rusty Ranks Beers because of Spencer Hall. And then I found all his videos. I think Rusty Ranks Beers like I don't understand it makes me really mad that when I tweet out that picture of anything and I'm just like, we're loving what we're seeing. I don't understand how it just doesn't blow up. Like, I don't get why everyone is not just using the rusty ranks beers where, you know, cause I tweeted something about Byron Buxton, you know, Byron Buxton's got three home runs in four games. We're loving what we're seeing. We'll check back in May. That tweet should have blown up because rusty ranks beers, that, that kid, that kid fucks. <laughs> but that kid is awesome yeah
2: absolutely like i have no this kid is a star too just because like his little is like we're playing with south american teams as an homage to uh, just like uh, how he comes up with he has to be just on every drug possible or he's just very creative
0: He's i mean he's just in college like everyone you i mean we forget because it's been a while but you just have that superpower in college you can do anything you can drink anything I could, I could drink, and in college, I could have thrown back 12 Miller Lights and given you a review and then had, you know, 8 to 12 more, and now I could have 3 Miller Lights, and I'm going to wake up the next morning with a whopping headache. I'm going to hate my life for three days.
2: Yeah, it's, Getting old
0: is terrible.
2: Well, and a funny thing I do like about him, too, is when he drinks, like, a stronger beer, it, after he has 8 of them and he comes back for the 12th, He's always wearing like a different shirt, and he's just slopped.
0: It's that the eight to twelve is the big thing because he does four, then he does eight. You can tell he's having a good time, and he does twelve. And then even if it hasn't hit him that hard, the eyes are a little not there. Um, I think when he did Bud Light Platinum, it yeah, was like the, that's what I was lights, talking about. The lights were on, but no one was home.
2: And uh, yeah, I mean that's what Bud Light Platinum will do to you. <laughs>
0: also, that would that would end me.
2: So today is Friday. We uh, had a passing this morning, waking up and saw your tweet about it almost instantly. We lost a true, D- a,
0: true a true royal royal member. Of D- of DMX.
2: DMX, DMX. <laughs>
0: <Man>. <laughs> um, it's tough. I, I can't think of I can't think of anyone else who passed today that is worth mentioning other than DMX. And uh, I mean, for real though, that sucks. Like DMX was. For, I think DMX was a lot of things to a lot of people. For me, he was the ultimate amp up music in the, the college weight room. Uh, that DMX was the only person who made me feel like I could lift heavy weight. Um, just the soundtrack of the late 90s, early 2000s, and his movies are like not bad, not bad. Like Never Die Alone, if that's on BET or something, like I'll, I'll watch it. The way he's got a couple with Jet Li. I'm into it, like well- I'll I'll watch it. So, some, fun- I might I might watch Exit Wounds tonight just to celebrate DMX.
2: <laughs> so, a funny thing about DMX in Bismarck, North Dakota, where where I'm at is in 2017 he announced he was coming to Bismarck, and everyone lost their mind. I mean, it's a town of 70,000 people. We get, I mean, basically we get a shitty Kenny Chesney concert every year, and like Nickelback or some shitty band that's five years over the hill. But DMX says he's coming. People are just amped up. And then, like, I think maybe 24 hours before the show, he just cancels it. And people <laughs> went fucking bananas.
0: I would imagine that DMX had a lot of stuff like that in the last 10 years of his life. A lot of a lot of canceled plans.
2: Well, I, I think he was just like, yeah, I don't want to do it.
0: I mean, yeah, if, if you're I mean, DMX, you could do whatever the hell you want. Yeah, no, D- DMX, uh, he lived, if you do a little, I encourage anyone to do a little deep dive on DMX. Like that dude had it very rough very early, made it out, made a lot of people very happy, he has some incredible concert videos going on on Twitter right now. But, uh, yeah, he was, uh, if you needed someone to pick you up from the airport, DMX was not your man. <laughs>
2: that's
0: That's a fantastic comment. Also, the
2: funny thing about his, his tour was called chaos in the Midwest
0: and he ended up, I bet he caused some chaos in the Midwest. I bet he lived up to that.
2: Oh, and the funny thing is, is, well, not funny, but kind of funny is that he canceled, but they still had a bunch of like local talent. I say with quotation marks performing before him and they still performed and people still went and I'm pretty sure there was a stabbing in the crowd
0: you, you gotta have some bravery to attend a dmx concert especially like a, it, uh, you gotta be yeah. have just brass balls if you're gonna
2: attend a canceled dmx concert as well
0: <laughs> i i will say there there's a uh video of him performing uh in miami or something and like it looks like there's a million people there and it looks like the most fun i've ever seen in my life
2: I want to get into something to kind of wrap things up. How in Kirby Puckett's wonky eye did you become a twins fan?
0: So, uh, my dad was, uh, my grandparents are Cuban immigrants, uh, got the hell out right when Castro came to power in the sixties, settled in, um, a place called Lynchburg, Virginia, which I can't believe hasn't been renamed yet. And, um, so it, it, when you're in Virginia, you have local teams. Uh, the Orioles are, you know, the closest team, but especially from Lynchburg, that's like a four-hour hike. Um, you know, my – so it, it's, it was kind of, like, limited. He was kind of, like, up to, you know, trying to figure it out. And the, the Twins' best player at the time was Tony Oliva, who was a Cuban immigrant. My dad uh, latched on to Tony Oliva. I've got a nice signed Tony Oliva card right there. And, um, yeah, he rooted for the Twins. He went to the 91 World Series. Uh, which was the last time the twins been in the world series when I was in diapers. So that's not fun. Um, and I just, yeah, I inherited it. And it's been uh, there's been some good times, been a lot of sad times. Um, that the, from like 2000 to, to 2009 was an awesome time to be a Minnesota twins fan. Like I will say, like I had a, even though there wasn't a world series and there wasn't even many playoff wins, like it was an awesome time to be a Minnesota twins fan. Um Last decade has been pretty hit or miss, mostly miss. But uh, go Twins, baby! This is the year. Byron Buxton's healthy. We're loving, we're loving what we're seeing. We're you know <laughs> six games in. We'll talk to you in May.
2: Yeah, I, I like every one of maybe one out of every three tweets is Byron Buxton. I is he your favorite
0: player? I love him ever. Uh, I got I, Oh, I got a, I, I've been ordering his his cards lately. I got a, I got another one in today. He's not my favorite player. Joe Maurer's is my favorite player ever. Um, you know, I still got a Kirby Puckett poster on my wall here in my office, but I got a Kirby Puckett like, signed made- ball right here. I mean, Kirby Puckett is the ultimate epitome of like why it sucks to learn what your heroes are like in real life. Um Yeah, I met him when I like, was like, I mean four years old. Yeah, I mean, you can't get it twisted. Like Kirby Puckett was a fucking scumbag. Um, but I loved him when I was a kid, loved him. I mean, I still got the poster, probably need to replace it with something, but, um, and then I I was really, one of the reasons it was so good to be a Minnesota Twins fan was in 2001, they draft Joe Maurer, and he is everything you could have wanted from your franchise player, honestly. Like, yeah, did he get hurt a lot? Or, you know, have some injury trouble in his career that really cut his effectiveness short? Um, the, The You know, the concussions, he was never really the same absolutely but won an mvp stayed in the city the whole time is like the consummate nicest guy i've talked to multiple guys who played with those those twins teams said joe mauer the nicest guy no matter who you are um i talked to a guy my other podcast i interviewed um who was just a like a fringe pitcher like he threw like 50 innings for the twins maybe and he said joe mauer caught him on a rehab start when he was in this guy was in low a he was a, a nobody he was like a uh, non-prospects like a 46 round pick and Joe Mauer caught him in low a and after their bullpen Joe Mauer was talking to him like he was a big leaguer and talking about you know asking him you know what pitches he likes to like taking it super seriously and Joe Mauer is literally, was literally just there to get some cuts in and get ready to get back to the big leagues and he took it really seriously and like so Joe Mauer is my favorite player of all time I've just been waiting on Byron Bucks to break out for a long time and we just we need that health we need that power and speed to play and let's let's go baby go twins
2: Oh, it's. Uh, have you been to Metrodome or and the Target Field?
0: I have not. <laughs> I have seen the Twins in New York, uh, Baltimore, Houston, Arlington. Um, I think I've seen them one more place. I can't remember, but I think those four for sure. And in like Arlington multiple times, Houston multiple times. I we were actually thinking about. Uh, next year, or last year, and this year, because this year it was it was my thirtieth birthday uh, last weekend, and we had talked about like let's go to Minnesota for your thirtieth birthday and go see the Twins. And this year and last year, not a great time for that. So uh, at some point soon, we'll we'll be making the pilgrimage to, tar- to Target Field. Um, I like I literally, it's funny you say that. My my desktop background is this awesome shot of Target Field.
2: Well, Target Field uh, is. As much as I don't like the Twins, it's a top 10 ballpark. And I heard amazing things. Jordan and I, host of the show, went to Wrigley Field like two years ago. And since I'm a Cubs fan, obviously like it better in Target Field. But Target Field is an absolute blast. Everything's not super expensive. I did try it. So I was with a bachelor party of like 17 people and I was like, who wants a beer? And like, everyone's like, yeah. And I like went up and I was like, can I get 17 bud lights? And they're like, uh, you need to have more people with you. And I was like, well, how many can I get? They're like two. I'm like, all right, no one's getting a beer. I'm going to drink these two. That's tough. Yeah. So my last question is where can people find you and your podcast?
0: Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Kyle Bandujo. Uh, Big Screen Sports is available wherever you get your podcast. It comes at you every Monday. Uh, talking about your favorite and least favorite sports movies. Uh, from Phenom to the Farm is brought to you by uh, Baseball America that comes at you every other Tuesday. Again, you can find that wherever you get your podcast. Just search from Phenom to the Farm. Um, but, yeah, the Twitter is Kyle Bandujo, and that is B-A-N-D-U-J-O. All right, Kyle.
2: Thanks for joining us, man. I really appreciate it.
0: Uh, of course, man. Thank you.
1: I'm now joined by my co-host Matt Cleary. Matt, we're watching the end of the Masters here. You had a little prediction earlier in the week before the Masters started. How's your prediction going and what do you think of the Masters
2: so far? It's been really good, but I've predict I predicted so much that I'm a I'm right on some, I'm wrong on a lot. So, Zalatoris or Zalataris, the American that's currently in second, I said he has no chance of making the cut. But I did say Asian persuasion, and there is Hideki Matsuyama is in the lead. So that is exciting for him, and I think he can hold it. I mean, he has a three-stroke lead now. But other than that, it's been a really good tournament. I mean, there's been people freaking out. Guy just kicked his golf bag. There's been a lot going on. I mean, the course is in pretty shitty shape. It is in March. But it's been an awesome tournament so far. It's April. It is. I almost just said it is March. It is is April.
1: No, it's April 2021. Masters. Yeah, you got Matsuyama at 11 under currently, Zalatoris at 8 under, Leishman, ROM, Rose, those guys trailing. So good to see, Matt. I'm just glad if you do pick the winner because if Matsuyama wins it, you will have picked the winner as part of your pool, right?
2: I I did pick about nine people to win it, though, so.
1: Okay, well, but Matsuyama was one of them. Yep. Okay, great. Good for you. That would make me feel better if you picked the correct winner, so that's awesome. Let's get into some Cleary's comments.
2: So I wanted to talk to you about Jungle Juice. I saw it come up on a bunch of TikToks. Have you ever been to a Jungle Juice party? Because I haven't.
1: I don't think we've ever called it a Jungle Juice party, but there's been Jungle Juice served at a party that I've been at. And we've made concoctions before.
2: Yeah, so I we, we I did one thing at a bachelor party one time. We just mixed, like, a liter of lemonade, a liter of pink lemonade, a 175 of vodka, a liter of Everclear, and... Grape um, Kharkov. And then some energy drink and Sprite, and it tasted... Karkov. Tasted really good, but the groom's brother threw up on himself at 2 in the afternoon, so... That's pretty impressive.
1: The thing about the punch is it's going to not be a great thing to puke up on yourself. You're going to get stains probably because it's probably like purple. The color of it is probably purple after you mix all that stuff together. What do you think? Or or red, perhaps?
2: It was like a kind of a dark, clear color almost, but it was absolutely pretty good, but it was like...
1: At the end of the day, I mean, whether you stay in your shirt or not, it's probably not the best to just kind of yak on yourself after you've had a
2: few too many glasses of the punch. The old we, riot punch. That's what we called it. And then we, <laughs> we had to carry his brother into our yurt that we were staying at. And you, normally when you carry a drunk person, they have like give you a little bit of help. It was like carrying a dead body. He was just dead.
1: Yeah, the legs were flailing like some streamers in the wind. I went shed hunting last week. And no, I'm not talking about backyard storage. It's exercise meets extreme gambling. You basically look for deer antlers because, fun fact for you, maybe you knew this, maybe you didn't, maybe our listeners don't. Male deer or bucks, they actually shed their
2: antlers every year. Did you know that? No, I thought they died and that's when their antlers were there.
1: No, so they shed them every year, uh, usually late winter or early spring. So they just kind of fall off, and then they grow new ones throughout the summer. And then in the fall, you'll see, like, a velvet on their horns as they, like, fully groom into some full antlers. But, yeah, it's a wild gamble as to where these have fallen. I mean, deer run all over the place. There's acres and acres and acres, and <laughs> I found some.
2: Dude, I learned more on this podcast <laughs> than I did in my four years of college.
1: I have a little show and tell for you here, Matt. I found a pair. (laughs) This is extreme gambling. You're lucky to find one. I found a pair. Do those look like matching to you? Of like from one deer? Uh, They do. (laughs) I found one, and then this one was like 15 yards away. Because your rule of thumb is if you find one, to look around it, because like deer may have shed
2: them. Do they do both at one time? Usually, or well,
1: like yeah, this one fell fell off, and then the next one just fell off as it was clear on a pathway he was walking. But usually,
2: do they? Shed both at one time?
1: Well, no, because my brother also found, like, a four-pointer that was on its own, and we looked all around that and didn't find the other one. But, yeah. (laughs) I found... Look at this. Isn't that crazy how I found a fucking match and I have them here?
2: So what do you do with them?
1: I mean, you can just keep them for decoration, but I don't know. I might sell not, them to I've, like my mom or some shit just because I'm i've a seen greedy people bastard. make like
2: knives out of them those are good slingshots if i've ever seen them
1: yeah no it was super exciting to find them i also found a a, a dead four by five uh white tail. it's unfortunate but i also found a pliers in the middle of a goddamn field so I'm just finding shit all day uh i put on about seven miles hiking and boy were my dogs barking Now that is the definition of
2: dogs are barking. I feel like that would be really fun. But after the first half hour, I'd be like,
1: guys. Well, that's it for me. Like we were about half hour, 45 minutes in when my brother found his. So the excitement level picked up a little bit. And then we were honestly walking back to the car. I was exhausted, head down. And I almost like stepped on this one, found it, found the other one right next to it. My energy level went from about a zero to a 99 in a half a second. It was sweet. I saw all sorts of wildlife. I saw deer, pheasants, a jackrabbit, a gopher. And the coolest part, I was like walking this field and this hawk just kind of kept on like flying by me. He's probably trying to kill me. Hoping you die. Yeah. So you can just pick
2: your eyeballs out <laughs> It was out. sweet
1: seeing the hawk up close. So I went shed hunting and it wasn't for backyard storage.
2: Well, speaking of dead things, I don't know if I witnessed a death. Per se, but okay. I went out to my car at work to get my laptop, and there was these three guys walking by. One of them was drinking out this big-ass blue cup at, like, 9.30 in the morning. They were clearly wasted just screaming at each other. Like a noticeable blue cup? Yeah, like a big, like, weird blue cup. Like, not anything I've ever big seen. Gulp. Yeah, it, but it was, like, a big, Kay. hard classic right. Sorry. I'll, I'll go on from the blue cup. I got, I got cut up on the <laughs> cup there. It was a cool cup, though. Should have taken it. Um, so the guy probably fast forward two hours and I see all these cop cars outside my office. I'm like, what the hell's going on? And two of my coworkers from another office walk in, they're like, There's blood everywhere out there by this bench. Like, it's like so much, I've never seen that much blood. I'm like, holy shit. So I go outside and I'm watching there's like six or seven cop cars, a fire truck, and like a forensic van, and there's a guy like swabbing the blood. And I was like, oh, whatever. And was just, he
1: able to get enough blood for his sample, you think?
2: <laughs> he could have got enough blood to, like, put back into someone to could save their life. Could he have filled life.
1: up a whole blood bucket, perhaps? I don't
2: know how big a blood bucket is, but probably. Five-gallon standard. This thing had to have been. They were like, I. it was. It covered, like, a 10 by 10 area of just dripping blood everywhere. I go to another building, check out that building, go, come back, and there's the firemen are just squeegeeing and getting all the blood off the concrete. And I walked by it later that day and there's like this old guy walking around. He's like, I was like, yeah, there was a guy down here earlier. And he's like, yeah, I caught on the police scanner that there was a guy bleeding to death. So I came to check it out. It must be a different bench. And I was like, no, it's that bench. See all that water. It didn't just flash flood in this area. Yeah. That guy, like it was right here. He's like, oh, okay. And that blue cup was still sitting on the bench. Oh. It always comes back to that blue cup. Ah, I knew I knew there was something about the cup. What the heck? But then I don't I don't know what happened and there was nothing in the news I was like looking for because there were so many like cars down there and like shutting traffic at a four-way stop. But just nothing came of it.
1: Do the news not report on homeless murders or is that just against their policy? The guy probably just fell over, hit
2: his head, and bled to death
1: i don't know matt you said there's blood everywhere that's a pretty hard just
2: fall on the concrete maybe he caught a corner or something i don't know it, it, it does look kind of weird because they were just yelling at each other he's like no fuck you no fuck you and like but they were like laughing so i was like i don't know what's going on so it was like a bum fight yet bum fight gone wrong or a bum fight gone really right r.i.p
1: to the blue cup man There's a phenomenon going on in the universe that I've been experiencing for a while. Maybe you have. I'm usually on my phone, like working on social media, possibly checking emails, uh, maybe investments. The moment I put my phone down and get into a vehicle or start doing something that requires both my hands, I get bombarded with calls and texts. Does this ever happen to you? Yes. It's like I was free all morning staring at my phone. Nothing. The moment I have to do something, everybody needs to get a hold of me. The other day after I was, my dogs were barking, I crawled in the bed pretty early and I turned my phone on do not disturb, watched a little Reno, Reno 911 fell asleep, you know, the way to do it. Great show. From like 8.30 PM on, I had, I woke up to nine texts in the morning, nine texts in the morning. I'm like, where were the texts all day long? One of which was from a number I did not have, but they called me by my last name and told me to come to the bar. So sorry to the person's number I don't have. I was sleeping, otherwise I may have come to the bar. I'm just saying it's ridiculous. I'm available all morning, <laughs> and the moment I get busy, it's like four phone calls, three texts,
2: ten emails. It's like it's like the Uber peak hours. It's uh, like you finally want an Uber, and it's $97 to get one.
1: It's like I was laying in on the couch till 4 p.m., and nothing happened
2: the moment I get up to get a glass of water. How long would it take... The Rock, to kill Kim Jong-un in a fist fight.
1: Kim Jong-un, the leader of the bad Korea, north, I believe. Yes. As they say over in the Korea area. I would say, what's the question? How fast or how many punches?
2: Yeah. Fist. Fist to fist, how many minutes, seconds?
1: I don't know. That guy, he's got a little chub in the cheeks and his hair's all slick. So maybe, I think, three or four good punches, however... Long that is, but I think his cheeks are going to absorb some of that punch a little bit. You know, it's like a sports science thing. It's going to help him pad the concussion in the CTE a little bit. And then if he does a little too high, his hair's all slicked back like that. S- EQ just slide right off that. So it's a little defense mechanism on his part. I'm going to go with four or five punches, so however
2: long that is. Yeah, see, I was floating between the 45 and 55 second range. I don't know why this came up on my radar. I think that I saw a tweet or something that was like Kim Jong-un and The Rock or something. and I was like, huh, I wonder how long that would take.
1: Well, if The Rock runs for the presidency, which I mentioned in the prior episode a while back, they could be world leaders and maybe they square off for nuclear power.
2: Hey, save a bunch of lives, 1v1. Yeah, if The
1: Rock wins for America, we're going to get rid of all this nuclear bad stuff. We're going to start feeding the North Koreans the the food they deserve. And then, you know, then Kim Jong-un, he goes on Weight Watchers, and he's not as fat, and he gets a better
2: hairstyle. Do you think he'll die or lose weight first?
1: die oh yeah big time i was
2: just about to say that was a trick question. Dude, it's,
1: it's a different world in north korea man
2: he's, he's like five six and three hundred and ten pounds
1: yeah and he could take a few blows from the rock because his cheeks yeah. are so chubby that's <laughs> what i'm saying man i mean another person that could have been a leader i think if he would have stayed around longer was our man dmx r.i.p to dmx Earl Simmons, known as the rapper DMX, passed away due to heart failure at the age of 50. Not only did he have bangers such as x Gum Give It To Ya, Party Up, Where The Hood At, and Rough Riders Anthem, and many, many more, he also had 15 children. What? So this inspired me to look at the power rankings of celebrities with the most kids. Now, this is just celebrities that like me and you and our listeners would get. Along with, and we know really well, because there is that one family with 19 kids, but they're oddly religious, so I'm not counting it.
2: Oh, they hate each other now, too.
1: Is it the Duggers? The Duggers? The Duggers, the reality TV show people? That's, yeah. Okay, I, they came up as number one. I said no. So my power rankings on- <laughs> I said no. I said no. <laughs> you guys had these kids with no- Never mind, I'm not going to get it.
2: <laughs> Fuck the Duggers. Yeah.
1: So number one, DMX with 15 children. He's going to go out on top on my power rankings. RIP. Number two, Dog the Bounty Hunter has 13 children. And mind you, I did not look into how legitimate these children are, whether they're stepchildren, whatever. I have no idea. Dog the Bounty Hunter, 13 children. Number three, Bob Marley, 11 children, apparently. Apparently, they're just smoking weed and banging it out all the time. So, Bob Marley, RIP 11 children. Number four, Eddie Murphy, 10 children, apparently. I
2: didn't know he had a single kid.
1: I don't know. The article I read could have been terrible. I did barely any research for this. I just grouped together, like, a few celebrities I knew. Once I found out DMX had 15 children. In the fifth place, we have a tie. Mel Gibson and Philip Rivers have nine children, apparently.
2: See, like, all these people, I didn't know that they had that many kids. Phillip Rivers, definitely. Like, he's two away from a starting lineup.
1: Who knows? Maybe this is all a lie, but that's my power rankings of celebrities with kids. Kick the duggers out. I want a DMX to go out on top on something, and that's my power rankings
2: of celebrities with kids. One thing I want to add to that, too, is uh, not a really a big celebrity, but if you're a football guy, Antonio Rodgers Cromartie has, like, nine or ten kids from nine or ten different baby mamas. And he straight up said the reason he's not retiring is because he couldn't afford the child support.
1: Yeah, exactly. I, I had him on my radar. I could have done a little more research. Uh, I did not do any research. I just kind of put this list together. R.I.P. DMX. Gonna give it to you.
2: Deshaun Watson.
1: Football, man.
2: I'll tell you what, man. What are we doing here?
1: deshaun watson
2: okay it's what's even going on with him? I, I don't know so usually when like something like oh i was raped or he was inappropriate comes out big r word for me it's usually like one maybe two so one person it's he said she said two people it's like okay they could maybe be fabricating but 22 different people come out and say you did something i think his career is over really I haven't really been paying attention just
1: because it's almost too much to track down. I'm trying to focus on other things. But then, yeah, Deshaun Watson keeps coming up. Apparently he had that one-on-one with Mia Khalifa that was just so telling of his behavior and how he does. I have no idea. So we have 22 women now accusing Deshaun Watson. The poor guy just wanted out of Houston. Now a hurricane is coming to his house, not just Houston, to his house. And it's going to ruin his career, possibly.
2: I think it started a butterfly effect because if he would have not said anything about going out of Houston, he would have laid under the radar this entire time. Well, probably, probably not, but, but like that's what I'm going to If it's true, it would
1: eventually have came out regardless, yeah. but it's just kind of odd that he was a 15th overall draft pick. He had really great career so far. How did it not come out before? All of a sudden, he wants out of Houston, I've got to say the Texans they got a pretty loyal fan base down there if they're willing to sue a guy's career just
2: because he wants to leave their poorly run organization. I know Texan fans that are now Cardinal fans just because JJ Watt left. They're not that loyal, but Houston is a massive city so they're going to have a backing.
1: Yeah, I just I don't know what's going on. I if it is true that
2: sucks. I hope it's not true and the poor guy can get out of it and get out of Houston as well. But the thing is it's like they can not he went to massage parlors. And I think that he just went into most massage parlors thinking that everything came with a hand job. Yeah. Happy ending. I mean, it's a poor strategy to have, especially when you're going into nice massage parlors, but someone's got to do it. Glad it wasn't me.
1: Didn't he learn anything from Robert Kraft? I mean, come on.
2: Oh yeah. Robert Kraft just freaking just blew right over that.
1: Oh yeah. (laughs) You got to blame society for always joking about massage parlors. Just having a happy ending. I can't sit here and look you straight in the eye and not talk about massage parlors and mention a happy ending. I've never done it. Apparently something I heard is it was a consensual happy ending there.
2: Well see, that's what he was doing. He was denying denying till it got to like fifteen. And then after fifteen people came forward, he's like, it was consensual.
1: So now hand jobs are illegal. I don't like
2: that. I think hand jobs should be legal. That's my take on it. And speaking of genitalia... You should run on that platform (laughs) a (laughs) little So anyone want to... City commissioner, maybe? If you gotta ask, (laughs) you can't afford it. So there was a Southwest Airlines pilot. And his name was Michael Hawk. H-A-A-K. And after he got fired from Southwest Airlines, he basically went and said, yeah, every time I flew the plane, I'd put my nuts all over the cockpit. Which my- is awesome and a great pun on words. Mike Cock put his balls in the cockpit everywhere. I, I thought when I like heard this, I was like, "That's there's no way it's true. So I went and did some deep diving. Yep. Michael Hawk was definitely in the cockpit, and he just said, yeah, I'd put my dick and balls all over that place. God, some people have some weird things going on. Like, this guy's got
1: ball OCD when he gets in the cockpit. They're like, can we come in? He's like, no, I need a minute. <laughs> he just got his balls hanging dong. He's on the on the master controls, and his balls are on there, and the co-pilot's about to put his hands on there. Come on. Puts his balls in the oxygen mask? Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> so you get pink
2: eye. Yeah, you want to open up the plane for me two hours early? I think I'm going to go put my balls on everyone's oxygen mask. Just, just in case. <laughs> just in case. Get the residual blowjobs from every person on the plane.
1: A lot of jobs going on right now. Crime still does pay. Is putting your
2: balls all over a cockpit not a crime? That guy could come on this podcast and I would give him a great interview.
1: Yeah, he could defend I mean,
2: himself. I mean, <laughs> I don't think he's defending himself because he basically said, oh, fuck you, Southwest Airlines. I'm going to put my balls all over your pocket. All right, I put my balls all over your cockpit.
1: All over a podcast? What? <laughs> I want to talk about my cock's balls.
2: That would be a really weird, but I would enjoy what, what, the was not
1: that what the interview
2: would be about? Oh, yeah, my balls. He's like, oh, so you want to talk to me about being an airline? No, I want to talk to you about your balls. Crime does pay. Okay, there was a, a news article that this guy basically took a brick, threw it through a restaurant front window, went in, stole a bunch of shit. The restaurant owner, bless his heart, hired the guy.
1: I've heard, I read this story.
2: yeah, I, I didn't read the story. I just saw the headline. I'm like, I need to talk about this. The restaurant owner is a great human being,
1: almost too good.
2: Yeah, that's like one of those like, hey, can I borrow your van? I got to make a quick trip down to New Mexico and then I'll be right back. The van might be like 20 to 40 pounds heavier, but you can just ignore that. Yeah. but holy shit. Like, good for that guy who hired him back. Bad for that guy that broke into the goddamn restaurant. Also, get a better security system.
1: Yeah, I don't know if I could trust the guy who just decided to throw a brick through my front window and then say, oh, hey, here's how the till works I will trust you with that. Maybe that's not exactly what he's doing. Uh, I'm thinking more of a dishwasher role. You know, put them in the back. You, if you steal the dishes, it's not that big of a loss. They're going to be piping hot in that
2: fucking dishwasher, so that dude, takes, good luck stealing those. That takes guts. Yeah. We, we need, need guts. <laughs> guts. You're my new general manager. He's like, you know I have my heroin addict, right?
1: I just don't think it was a good play. I mean, that guy's a great human being. Hopefully it works out, but... I just don't think that was the best play. Go to indeed.com or like any other place to hire somebody. Don't hire the guy who hooked a brick through your front window. Go
2: to your local Arby's or Subway. They hire criminals. Yeah,
1: start recruiting from Subway. You know, they know what they're doing.
2: The baseball newsletter put out a tweet that said, Tonight, an actual MLB game will be played here. And it's a a screenshot of a stadium in Tampa Bay where the Blue Jays are playing because Canada's still Uh relatively all shut down. Okay and it's like in the middle of a residential area doesn't it's a tiny stadium and there's a, when you look at the image there's just a middle school or elementary school that's like right next to it and then they quote tweeted it later and said Update, Mike Trout actually hit the middle school with his with his home run ball.
1: Well, those little schoolers are getting uh, a free show every day if they just keep well, yeah, dropping bombs.
2: From the roof of the middle school, you can watch an MLB game.
1: That's going to get shut down real quick. And Somebody's going to fall off, it's going to get messy.
2: And there was a follow-up tweet that if they take the trajectory of where the Blue Jays went from Toronto to Buffalo buffalo to tampa bay if they stayed on that same trajectory next year they're playing at easter island <laughs> really where those huge heads are like uh, sa- yeah same curve some guy did the research i would have no idea how to do that and i'm like well oh, that's actually not a bad idea
1: play on easter island on easter now that <sighs> is just like i had no idea that the blue jays were playing at that stadium in florida i had no clue so that's a little fun fact i'm glad we're talking about baseball because that home run derby in the All-Star game got moved to Denver. As you may know, we have Denver correspondent Andy as who, part of the podcast.
2: Who we paid to move closer to the stadium. Yeah,
1: that was totally our call. So I think I'm going to attempt to go to the home run derby or All-Star game this summer. I'm not going to pay a dime, but I'm going to attempt to. Since it's down in Denver, I'm going to go stay with Denver correspondent Andy. I'm thinking, I mean, just two blocks away from Coors Field try to sneak in, probably get arrested, you know, kicked out of America, deported, you know, Venezuela. Yeah, I just think it'd be fun to at least walk around Coors Field while the festivities are down there. And I think that worked out perfectly. Too bad for Atlanta, but we got the old Denver correspondent. So we're going to put him to work and basically I'm just going to go stay with him and drink and walk around.
2: So did you ever have a remote control car or like helicopter as a kid?
1: yeah i mean i had a few they're always on the birthday list or the christmas list because they're they're really sweet but like the shitty ones that they just sell off the shelves
2: they're not that great
1: they have awesome ones that are like gas powered have you seen those
2: yeah those things are nuts there's a guy on my street that has a car that he's always driving around that thing goes faster than my car
1: the rc cars it's like a whole world
2: Well, one time when I was a kid, I had this helicopter that I was so excited for and I was flying it like really carefully in my garage and my brother's friends like, hey, can I see that? And what he did is I had been flying it for a while is he just pushed it up. It flew as high as it could go. The battery died, lost connection. And this thing plummeted from like 120 feet in the air and just hit my driveway and exploded into a million pieces.
1: Well, you should have changed the batteries, man. What were you thinking?
2: I think it lost, like, signal, too, so I don't think there was any coming back from that. Why
1: why didn't you catch it?
2: It would have fucking decapitated me. Not if it didn't hit you in the
1: head. I would have died. (laughs) Well, you should have sacrificed more for your helicopter. Now let's get into the Mighty Ducks Game Changers. Last week we talked about Episode 1 and 2. Now this week we're going to talk about Episode 3, Breakaway. Got a quick recap so far. 20 years after the inception of the Mighty Ducks, they are now a powerhouse. The main character, Evan Morrow, gets cut from the team, prompting his mom to go into a full-blown meltdown and start a new team. After searching for ice times and coaches, she comes across Gordon Bombay, manager of the Ice Palace, who seemed reluctant to get involved with the team, but helps them steal equipment from the lost and found. They recruit players from all different cliques from school and get blown out in the first game. That's my recap of episode one and two. So episode three, right away, we find out the next game is against the Ducks, and I am scared for the terribly named Don't Bothers.
2: It was one thing too. The episode was very predicting of what was going to happen. I thought it was a good episode. Uh, what did What did you think about the episode?
1: Well, yeah, yeah, I thought it was. I knew it was predicting because you found out that the next game was against the Ducks.
2: Yeah, and they they definitely got their doors blown off.
1: Yeah, and uh, yeah, they continue to try to recruit players from the Ducks, which I respect a lot. Uh, If you can't beat them, be them, is I I think what the saying
2: is. And so to recap this episode, basically they play the Ducks and they score a goal at the end. Gordon Bombay is starting to get more into hockey. He steals the actress that I hate, their current coach, Evan's mom, steals a notebook, writes a little shit, and she's like, oh, what is this? And finds it during the game. That play would never work in any hockey game, but they end up scoring a goal against the Ducks. And... The Ducks are leaving the ice and their coach, Letterkenny guy, is like, practice starts in five minutes. You guys let them score. So one thing leads to another and they get Sophie, Evan's friend, on the team starting to change and also the Canadian kid still sucks at hockey. Which Zamboni
1: was shittier? The one in this show that Gordon Bombay operates or the one you
2: had to use at the local ice rink here in Bismarck? Mine hands down okay that thing was so bad you'd have to rev it up to as hot as it would go and it would still go two miles an hour
1: i don't know did you see the one in the show that gordon bombay was rocking as he just rudely kicked the kids off the ice
2: dude there's been times that that zam wouldn't even work and they'd be like hey are we gonna get a zam like it doesn't work i don't know what to tell you get to
1: the mighty ducks game the don't bothers versus the mighty ducks it wasn't looking great out of the gate they get scored on 25 seconds in and then it's just a scoring frenzy for the Ducks from there on. And yeah, you mentioned the Don't Bothers. They scored their first goal off of the season off of a Bush League play. Uh, and he put the play in her notebook. She found it. They scored with seven seconds left in a 17 to one loss. So yeah, the coach yelled at them for winning a 16 point game.
2: Basically, Mighty Ducks upda- update. The Don't Bothers still blow ass. They got a better player. And Gordon Bombay has not banged Evan Morrow's mom. Well,
1: not yet. It's going to happen. And, yeah, that, that girl finally joins them from the Ducks. Uh, Evan definitely has a crush on her. I thought it was interesting when you find out Gordon Bombay was the Olive Garden gift card slash burner phone guy for his college hockey team that he coached before he got asked to quietly resign.
2: Oh, that's a deep cut. I forgot about that part. Yeah, he gave a kid that needed money money, which is the biggest crock shit ever. The NCAA sucks.
1: So what are your predictions for the next episode?
2: I think the next episode they lose in a close game and Gordon Bombay starts to coach them but doesn't coach a game yet.
1: Gotcha. Yeah, I mean, that's basically what my prediction was going to be, that they will recruit one more person from the Mighty Ducks probably because the letter Kenny coach is a douche and nobody likes him and they will still lose a close game. but. They're showing progress, as the Canadians would say.
2: Have you noticed that the goalie has not gotten like any better at all?
1: Oh, he barely moves every time. They You've never shoot seen a goal. him shop
2: he doesn't stop one shot.
1: Well, I think when he finally comes around, the don't bothers with the absolute worst name I could think of in any sports movie ever or show, the don't bothers, once he comes around, they're gonna be really good. Let's do the Olympics this week. We went with the Olympics of Bar Songs. Any of your favorite tunes from the jukebox at your favorite watering hole are fair game. How the Olympics works is we choose a topic, such as bar songs. Then we rank our favorites. You can have a disqualified. It's optional. That would be one of your least favorites. Then we work in ascending order with Lost in the Metal Round, Bronze, Silver, and Gold. As always, the Olympics is open for interpretation. Matt, did you have any disqualifies this week for the Olympics of bar songs?
2: I think we actually agree with this one, closing time at closing time.
1: Yep, we're going to agree unanimously. Let's take closing time off the board. It's just not that fair. I also think anything Taylor Swift, you listen to that shit at home in private, okay? It's not the bar.
2: Or the fray. But getting into my Lost in the Metal round, it has to be Get Low by Little John. When that comes on. Everyone loses their mind. Excellent pick. My lost in the meta round, it's got to be ACDC
1: Thunderstruck. Now, not only will this get you all jacked up as if the Vodka Red Bulls haven't done that already, but you can also play the, thun- the Thunderstruck chugging game with your friends. Uh, I advise using beer, but it's a dealer's choice. If Do you know what the Thunderstruck game is?
2: No, enlighten me. I think I do, but I'm not sure. For
1: example, uh, it's you, a group of five, sitting at a table at a bar. I mean, this is more of like an outdoor drinking game, but at a bar, uh, every time they say thunder, you have to chug. So then every time it says thunder, the next person starts chugging. And then there is like a certain one that there's like a long pause in between, so you get stuck chugging your beer, uh, and you play the whole song through. Every time they say thunder, the next person starts chugging. And yeah, it's a lot of fun. So ACDC, Thunderstruck, not only a good song for the bar to get you jacked up, but a drinking game as well.
2: Okay, well, yours is better than mine so far, so I'm hoping I can recover. I'm going to go with my bronze medal as Bartender by Rehab.
1: Yeah, I love how before this, we're like, I don't think we're going to have any of the same songs. My bronze medal is also Bartender by Rehab.
2: It, It is a great song, but I don't listen to it a lot unless it comes on in a bar, really.
1: I like listening outside of a bar because it is a song about a guy who is at a bar talking to his bartender and enjoying his last bit of freedom at the old watering hole before he heads back to jail. So it's a great play in bars. I like it outside of bars.
2: I didn't know that about the song. <laughs> Do you know anything about the song? Uh, I it's, love it's the like line the of like, crash that piece of shit and set it on fire.
1: Crash that piece of shit and stepped away. I mean, yeah. You got to at least listen to these songs before you put them on your podium, Matt. Come on. Bartender by Rehab, my bronze onto the silver.
2: I have Truly Madly Deeply by Savage Garden. I have no fucking clue what that song is. I'll be a west, I'll be a fantasy. It became famous because it's a great song where everyone sings it in a bar and it sounds better than the original.
1: Yeah, if I'm ever at a bar and that happens, just take me out back and you know what to do.
2: I'll put it on next time we're at a bar. I'll probably be the only one singing it. It'll be great. I'll get thrown out. It'll be fun.
1: Yeah, I, I guess I'm not really sure what song you're talking about. Uh, yeah, I really didn't think we were going to have the same ones. Now I'm a little disappointed. My silver is Get Low by Lil Jon and the Side Boys featuring Ying Yang twins to the window.
2: To the wall. We
1: were first introduced to the word skeet in this one. Silver metal. Olympics of
2: bar songs. My get gold low. medal is All Star by Smash Mouth.
1: What kind of bars do you hang out at?
2: Do you hang out at like middle school bars where it's like Coke? When that song comes on, my juices get going. That song is fantastic, and I would be livid if anyone doesn't like it in a bar setting after 40 drinks.
1: I don't know. I I haven't heard that in a bar. Um It's like it reminds me of Shrek, which reminds me of middle school. My gold medal, it's got to be Take Me Home Tonight by Eddie Money. I have a dance that goes along with it, and let's just say you need room for activities to do this dance. So that's why it's such an awesome play in a crowded bar. Just get all uncomfortable with all the fellow drunk patrons around you. You know, you know the situation. You've got about nine Michelob Goldens in you. Uh, let's say like four whiskeys and a few shots. And this song comes on. Take me home tonight. Better watch out. And then maybe somebody will take you home.
2: There was a couple other songs that came up on my radar. Like Doses and Mimosas by Cherub really came up there. But other than that, like there's so many good bar songs.
1: Like Living on a Prayer.
2: Oh, yeah. A bunch of like. Don't Stop believing by Journey.
1: I mean, R. Kelly, he's kind of fucked up. But uh, Ignition. Oh, yeah. Alcohol. Blame it on the L, uh, L, uh, L, uh, alcohol, baby. Pop, up pop, poker face. Pop, pop, poker face. <powering> Cue the fat lady to start singing, because this episode is over. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you to Kyle for joining us. Check his podcasts out, Big Screen Sports, and From Phenom to the Farm podcast. Uh, Excellent listens. I listen to a lot of his big screen sports. Looking forward to next week, we will be doing the Olympics of Types of Booze. So Matt and I are going to dissect what we like most in our types of booze. Then we also will have a guest. He's a gentleman by the name of Alfred, and he knows everything about radio and podcasting. He's quite the guru, so he's coming on to join us for an excellent conversation. Please feel free to subscribe, rate, and review the show on Apple Podcasts. Give us five stars if you like the show. If you're feeling really ambitious, throw a review out there. We might read it on air. Once again, thank you so much for listening. I'm going to send you off with a little Dust in the Wind by Frank the Tank.
0: I close my eyes only for a moment and the moment's gone.
1: All my dreams pass before my eyes in curiosity.
0: Dust, dust
1: in the wind. Looks like we better put the KY wrestling on hold for
0: a while. All we are is just in the idea. wind.
1: Look, please don't beat yourself up over this thing, Mitch. It's not your fault.